Hello to all the Hairs to You listeners. I'm Tara, your forever faithful host, uh, here to talk to you about all things hair. Uh, so grab your favorite drink of choice and get comfy and let us get started. So today we are talking about mental health and hair loss. And I'm being joined by Dr. Monica Romani, clinical psychologist. Hi, Monica. How are you today? Hi, Tara. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you also. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I pretty much specialize with mood, anxiety, stress, and traumas. I've worked in correctional facilities with abused women and children, with mood and anxiety at CAMH, at uh, UHN with brain and spinal cord injury, lots of work working with the populations of mood, anxiety, stress, and trauma. And I can do everything in the middle, couples counseling, adjustments to moving, uh, transitions with illness, et cetera. Oh, wow. Very nice. Well, it's very nice to have you on here with us. We thank you very much for coming and talking to us today. So one of my first questions, it's something that a lot, I hear a lot of talk about. Um, so mental health uh, is being brought up a lot these days mm -hmm. versus I remember back when my, I was a kid, you know, you, you never heard anything about mental health at all. Is it that there's just more issues today or did we were just not noticing it before? Can you explain kind of, you know, what's happening? So we all have symptoms and all human behaviors, you know, have a purpose in our lives. To me, human suffering is the fabric of life. Each and every one of us do go through some level of suffering throughout our lives. And suffering is to me, a catalyst for change. It's the only way we shift in life. And so when you have symptoms or you have suffering and pain in your life, you know, it forces you to reflect and pause on what needs to change in my life. Do I need a new job? Do I need to shift partnerships? Do I need to get some counseling? Do I need to go see a doctor? Do I need to improve my self-care? And so to me, all our symptoms have a purpose to be a catalyst for change, to shift you and get you to a better place for yourself, learning better coping skills, getting resources on board, you know, learning from other people on how to cope better or to become a better version of yourself. And so we've always had mental health concerns because we're people that have suffering. And so mental health has always been throughout our, our years, something that's prevalent. The only difference is we don't always speak about it. There's always been a focus on different fads and many times like physical fitness has over the last 50 years improved in its awareness. People are working out more. There's more attention on yoga classes, meditation classes. But when it comes to mental health, yeah, you know, it's always your, your moods are dictated by the thoughts you have and the, and the way you feel. And so many times we bring in physical fitness as a focus because it's a little bit easier to talk about mental health stuff there's a faux pas to it. There's a taboo to it. There's a stereotype of how you're judged and seen as maybe weaker. And so many times people shy away from talking about it, but each and every one of us are perfect and a work in progress. And so it is important for us to recognize that our symptoms have a purpose and mental health might be more focused on today because with the pandemic, a lot of people are finding mental health symptoms being more prevalent and louder than some of the physical symptoms they suffer with. But again, mental health brings on a lot of physiological symptoms and maladaptive, unhealthy behaviors we do in accordance to mental health issues. Yes, yeah, I understand that. So it's not that society has gotten soft by any means or, or any issues like that, because I, I know that, uh, you know, you, you see a lot of people talk, oh, you know, 
this generation, you know, Generation X, they, they, they dealt with a lot and they never had any issues and they never had any mental health issues. And, you know, they make fun of people of, you know, different generations having all of these mental health issues. But really, it's not that anybody's gotten soft. It's just the fact that, you know, we were hiding it. So to speak, it's awareness. Like I think yeah. many people weren't aware. Like if you, it depends on the generation you've been born in, things like this. Like I have immigrant parents and when it comes down to it, they were all about scarcity and survival and trying to make it work. So when you're so busy trying to fit a new country and make it work, you don't focus on your mental health symptoms. They're there, but you're so yeah. busy on that rat race of trying to adjust and form relationships and get a job and, and maintain survival you know, a lot of us stay distracted, which is why we don't address mental health. And in today's world, there's a lot more conversation normalizing. There's different levels of mental health. Mm -hmm. It's like there's different levels of traumas. And so sudden changes, many people go through various sudden changes in life. We don't recognize that that does affect our mental health. Some of us have better coping skills and have some of us have, you know, coping skills that can be fine-tuned and polished. And so it's important for us to recognize mental health's always been there. Just sometimes we stay so distracted or we're brought up in a society or a time where you know, you're taught to just suck it up and push through and endure things with distress versus actually address them. And today yes. we're in a much better place of, you gotta address it because it's focusing on issues that affect you day to day. Mental health, everybody struggles with. The difference is when are your symptoms so loud that you have to address it? Many times when our symptoms inhibit and hinder our functioning in work, social intimacy, self-care, spirituality, when it's hindering your life tasks, then we know it's a problem. And today there's more people addressing that, wow, my work's not as efficient. I'm not you know, the happy camper at home. So we're starting to address, how can I be happier? How can I deal with my symptoms and be better? There is a, a change in a movement right now of people trying to be help, healthier, not only physical with their fitness, but also with mental fitness now. So there's more conversation. There's more addressing symptoms for a step to treatment as awareness. There's more awareness out there that everybody deals with things. We're just at different magnitudes. And it's important for us to address it in order to be higher, better versions of ourselves. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. We're dealing obviously in, in, in a business with, with hair loss and baldness and people losing their hair. It could be genetics. It could be any form of, of sickness or sometimes it is stress. There's a lot of reasons why people actually will lose their hair. Because I know a lot of people think, well, you know what, it's not killing you, right? It's just hair loss. It's no big deal. But how can, uh, I guess, hair thinning or hair baldness affect someone's mental health? because I feel it is an issue. Yeah, and so again, symptoms cause us a lot of anxiety. What is anxiety? It's fear and self-doubt, right? Mm -hmm. And so self-doubt affects our self-esteem, if you wanna call it. And you know, today, um, many people go through hair loss for a number of reasons, like stress levels are high, psychiatric disorders of major depression, anxiety disorders, social phobia. You know, there's a number of reasons why people can have symptoms of anxiety and depression that increase symptoms that are physiological like hair loss. So to me, all problems in life, it doesn't matter what problem you go through, it manifests and shows up in your life in three ways, through physical symptoms, negative thoughts that go around in your head and negative behaviors that you go through or maladaptive you know, behaviors that are habits and patterns. 
on a physiological front, that's where the hair loss comes in. Physiological symptoms can be abdominal distress, headaches, muscle tension, hair loss. And hair loss is close to home with also our self-esteem. Many people tie their physical beauty to hair. And so it's one of those things that we have to recognize anxiety levels go higher when we become self-conscious of the way we look and we don't feel happy with the way we look. Hair loss is a symptom of like major medical conditions as well as psychiatric ones, but it's a signal that something's off course that we need to address, whether it's a medical condition or managing stress better. And so, or changing our diet and exercise and other things that can help facilitate hair growth. And so many times people get quite anxious about the way they feel as they're losing hair, or they get fearful of like worst case scenarios. Your mind starts catastrophizing as a negative thought. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I go bald? And so there's a mental health impact of stressing somebody about how they look, how they're judged. Most of us worry about people's judgment out there. And when it comes to hair loss, there's an anxiety about how people are viewing us or seeing us, how we're seeing ourselves. Yeah. So then obviously that would then end up having a play in your interaction with people, obviously, you know, if, if you're feeling insecure about yourself and how you look, your interaction with, with the populace is obviously going to be a little bit different at the same time, correct? It can increase social anxiety where you worry about people's judgment and criticism of you. You might become more self-conscious. If you're in the dating world, you might feel like you're not as appealing or attractive to the population you're trying to gain attention from. You know, there's a lot of consequences when you start getting in your own head, overthinking and being hard on yourself for something that is happening physiologically to you. And so when it comes to hair loss, many times people don't always notice the extent of it. We notice and we become very self-conscious as we notice. Yeah. And there's also a normal healthy level of hair loss that I think we all go through with just season changes and, you know, things like that. We get hard on ourselves and we get worried about, does this mean more? And we catastrophize. It's an anxiety behavior, um, but it does affect our self-esteem and uh, many of us take pride in the way we look and we tie our hair to a significant part of how we see beauty in the world. Yes, that's true. We deal with, with obviously men and women and um, even, even children in this industry. I know that a lot of the times I have women say, oh, well, you know, it's harder on us than it is on men. Um, do you think that's true? Now, I've had people in my office, it doesn't matter who you are, you struggle with what your hair means to you because you identify, you know, somehow a, a better look or more attractiveness to hair. And if anything, I find men have more anxiety related to, I can't change it. Oh, and okay. on the other hand, can, if you're having hair loss, cut your hair shorter and it looks more voluminous, or you can, you know, do certain things to help enhance it or change your hairstyle or something like that. And many times men find themselves more limited to the option of like, either I cut down my hair really short or, or shave my hair or, you know, find um, options of therapy like hair transplants and things like that. But it's a different breed, but it's still people problems. Like it's not about men and women. It's about people wanting to feel attractive and you tie your, uh, you tie attractiveness to the way your hair looks and feels to you. And no matter what age, even when men 
sometimes naturally progress through age and lose hair, you know, it doesn't mean they don't feel the grieving and loss of what they used to like with a full head of hair. Right. And many yeah. times I hear them cracking jokes and stuff. And I think that's what we do is we find a way to bring in humor to take the edge off and more men do that than women do. Right. But um, on a physical beauty, I think women are very hard on themselves to think that they need to always look a certain way and that men can, you know, have a, a belly or they can lose their hair and it's not a big deal. They'll still always attract some. That's not true. Deep down inside, men are just like women. We all get insecure. We all feel self-conscious when our looks change. And we're all grieving sometimes age or losses due to, you know, physiological changes that come with life. And yeah. we're human beings. It's a human problem to feel a little bit self-conscious and maybe even judge yourself by who you were to who you are today. It is hard to accept changes in our body and changes in our physical looks um, for anybody. Yeah, we were at Canaf, uh, which is uh, a show for for individuals with alopecia, um, just a couple weekends ago, and we noticed there was a lot of kids there, which was, I'm not gonna lie, even to myself, was a little bit shocking. I didn't realize how many young children actually were dealing with hair loss. Do you think that hair loss in a younger child is is harder on them than when they're getting older i'm just wondering because you know as a kid we're really kind of just accepting i feel when i was a kid i was more accepting of society and people and oh that person's like that and that person's like that versus when you're older you're a little bit more judgmental do you think it's it's something that parents and and caregivers should really pay attention to on how their child is dealing with this so, you know, children do have comparison of one another. And yes, I agree with you. When we're younger, we are in a place of like more living in the here and now, meaning we're not in our head overanalyzing. Like when you're living in the present moment, you simply experience, do, act, and you're connected to your senses and you're really here and you're not thinking. When your mind then takes you to the past, you start comparing yourself to who I was and you start comparing yourself to things that you know, you, they used to be there and you might have regrets. Oh, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. Or your mind goes to the future and it starts catastrophizing or forecasting worst case scenarios, further hair loss or looking different or being different or worries. What if this happens? What if that happens? So anxiety and depression is when your head goes to the future or the past, but in the here and now, you're better able to manage things. Kids live better in the here and now. Kids and pets are excellent at being in the present moment. And that's one reason why they're not that judgmental because they're in a place of being in the here and now. They're connected to their senses. They're playing, they're jumping, they're doing things. And even if you're like, we're going to Walt Disney World next week, they're like, okay. And then they go back to pots and pans or playing. They'll go back to what they were doing. So kids are a little bit better at adjusting because they go back to the here and now. Now, don't get me wrong, as we age, we start living in our heads more and we start going to comparison or forecasting. And that's where the problems start coming in. That's where we start judging ourselves as different from others or less than others. And there's more criticism and self-scrutiny that comes in as we age. So yes, as children, children adjust better and they, they, they have their own concerns and worries because they are still comparing themselves but the environment around them, the nurturing around them is actually what influences them to cope better or not. 
So the parenting, the support, the feeling normalized, letting them, you know, focus on the goods over the bad. So I think your environment has a lot to do with it. As we're older, we don't have our parents and our our environment affecting us as much. We're more affected by ourselves more. So we have to work on our own headspace. And so as we're older, if you what you focus on expands. If I focus on self-scrutiny, judgment, criticism, that's going to expand and really monopolize my days. Or if I focus on positivity and being positive, looking at what I have versus what I lack, then that's going to expand. But when you're older, your social network or the people you rely on for support, for coaching, gets less a little bit unless you reach out and get the help. So as children, we have a network. And if our network is solid, positive, strong, we adjust even better. The kids know how to live in the here and now. So they do sometimes appear to adjust better, but they do wobble in and out of thoughts that can be hurtful and self-critical and insecure. And as we get older, we live so much in our heads that it is harder for us to dispel negative thoughts. So getting help from a therapist or working with friends and, and communicating what you're really going through instead of just sucking it up and pushing through is important because as adults, again, you can still take control of your thoughts and focus on positives of what's working and how to make you know a situation that's difficult a little bit more pleasant or take the edge off it. And what you focus on expands in your life. So it's really up to us choosing to bring in factors that make us healthier. And with children, hopefully parents are providing that support to make them feel courageous to deal with whatever challenges in a way that they feel stronger and more capable. So again, anxiety is about, am I capable to handle things? And children rely on parents for many things. So your parents making you feel like, I got your back, we're capable helps them really adjust well. Yeah, I guess that was kind of going into my next question was really how how someone should should uh, deal with their child that has the hair loss. I know there's, there's the parents out there that um, sometimes make a big deal about something where the child doesn't see it as a big deal, which then I think makes the children a little bit more anxious about it because the parents are making it more of a big deal. You you hear, I I've myself even have had, not even necessarily with children, younger children, but I've had parents bring in, you know, say they're, they're teenage boys who are already starting to lose their hair. And, you know, though the child, and I don't know because I'm not actually in their shoes, they look like they're kind of okay. They're not as stressed, but the parents seem to be very stressed out about the situation. Oh, he's not even dating yet. He's not even, you know, how is he gonna find a wife? And I'm looking at it going, okay, like this poor guy, <laughs> you know, or why are we making it such a big deal um, if he's not making a big deal? So it's sort of the same thing. Like how, how should, I know we all want the best for our children, um, but how should a, a parent approach this kind of situation with a child if the child doesn't seem like it's a big deal? Yeah, so the key is this, like as children, like I mentioned, we live in the here and now. And then as you're growing, you're also influenced by your parents in that home environment. I call them blueprints, right? When you're born in a family unit, you're imprinted by the way your parents think and feel. And many times our parents have anxiety that we take on as ours. So many times anger, anxiety is learned behavior. And so as parents, we have a sense of responsibility to kind of look at our own selves, pause and reflect, 
and recognize, okay, the first step to treatment is awareness. I need to have awareness of how my issues spill over onto my kids and the unit that I'm raising here in my household. So it is important for us to recognize our own anxieties, our own fears that we project onto our own family members and children that they take on and they hold on to and affects them. So when it comes down to kids are adjusting well, and many times it's only when, and we see it as at a young age, like when a kid falls, when the parent's like, oh, then the kid gets even nervous, like, oh my God, I fell, this is not good. But if the kids, if the parent's like, hey, get up, move on, no big deal, right? Correct and continue. Then that child feels like, oh, not a big deal. We fall in life and we pick ourselves up and we move on. So this is all about modeled behavior. And us as parents have a huge responsibility to raise our kids with this level of awareness that life only gives you what you can handle. Our biggest problem in today's society is we feel incapable of handling stressful situations. One reason why mental health is on a high, mood and anxiety is on a high, is we don't feel capable of handling the uncertainty that shows up in our lives. The pandemic fueled this too, because many times, again, you know, you're worried about the next problem and can I handle it? But if you feel like good or bad, bring it on, life only gives me what I can handle, there's a sense of capability that to date, whatever shows up in my life, I've handled it. And each and every one of us who are watching this show, same thing. If you look and reflect at your life, even though you're afraid of not being able to handle something, to date, you're standing, you're here, you've been able to handle whatever shows up. That's what we teach our kids. That's what we have to teach ourselves and reinforce that no matter how bad it gets, no matter what shows up, life only gives me what I can handle because to date, the life has shown me through my own evidence that I've handled everything. When you can teach your kid how to just remove the self-doubt and feel capable to handle or will figure it out together and handle it well, that sense of I am capable is really all somebody needs. The rest will figure it out. And so our parents need to start watching their own mood and anxiety. You know, it's not the kid, um, the kid's doing great and the kid only does as well as we teach them to do. And so our job as parents is when our kids are anxious, what am I modeling to them? What should I be modeling to them? How do I reconceptualize and reframe thoughts that they have that they're powerless or can't handle it or can't manage it and make them feel empowered? I'm capable. I, I can handle whatever shows up. And if I don't have the answers, I'll go out there and find it or my parents will help me find it. We'll do it as a team. We're not alone in the world. And I think that's one reason why as adults, we struggle more with difficulties in life. We sometimes feel individualistic and alone, but we're in a collective. There's resources, there's people to rely on, there's therapists out there. It's important for us to teach our kids that even if you don't have the answers, go out there and find them and find people who can help you find them. You are capable, even if you don't know the answers yourself. And I think that's what we have to reinforce our children and children become mini us. And so we do have to look at our own stuff. I'm always all about teaching parents that you have to reflect on what symptoms you have and you need to address in order for our children to be in environments that help them thrive and feel capable to manage whatever shows up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
just to get a background of the story, um, we had a client, uh, we do a lot of, um, you know, before and after videos showing people how to, you know, how good they can look wearing a system. So we had a gentleman come in and he agreed to go through the process of being videotaped and, and had the system come put on and he looked amazing. Like he was so happy after he was done. And we had it on uh, TikTok. Um, so put it out there and it went viral. A few days later, he contacted us asking if we could take it down because people in his community and family had seen the video and they started essentially bullying him saying, you know, like, it's ridiculous. Why are you doing this? Uh, you know, and really just making him feel very bad for the decision he made. What can people... <laughs> do about when, when something like this happens. Cause this isn't the first time I've kind of heard this. I've had people leave here before and then they come back saying they want to take it off because, oh, you know, my friends were making fun of me or oh, somebody else said something, um, you know, but they were clearly happy in the decision they made when they initially had it done. So how, how should people deal with that? I guess kind of bullying. Cause that's the way I look at it. It's bullying. So, you know, one of my famous quotes that I tell people are other people's opinion of you is none of your business. It's your opinion of yourself that matters. And that's about self-esteem again. And many of us need to start living and walking and staying in our lane, stay in our own lane, stay in our own path. Realize that again, you know, it is an individual journey amongst the collective. And so people are out there and people sometimes show you your own gaps and your own issues. And so you take your first breath into the world alone and you're leaving with your last breath out of the world alone. There's an individual journey amongst a collective. You got to stand by you. You got to understand this is about my journey. When people say something and it hurts us or it triggers us, it's really about us challenging. What is it about this person's opinion that I'm seeking validation versus standing in my truth and being proud of me? And so it's about self-esteem. It's also about us recognizing people do what people do. They talk and that's all good. Let them talk. The key is, what do you want? And if your initial response is feeling proud and happy about something, learning to stand in that truth, because as you work on you being better, there's a ripple effect of other people also receiving that energy. And some of these people speaking badly or bullying, as you call it, some of them might cross the same bridge tomorrow. And when they cross the same bridge, your video might be inspiring them to do something that makes them feel good. So we should always see the greater good. To me, people who belittle and say negative things are in low self-esteem. When people are in pain, they spill around tethers and judgment and criticism. But when you're in high self-esteem, you also have a ripple effect, a ripple effect of inspiring others, showing people that there's another way to be. And so the people who feel great and the videos are up, they need to have a sense of pride that I felt good and I'm inspiring somebody else who's crossing the same bridge as me to also be inspired to take charge and do something right now to better their own lives. And so always remember other people's opinion of me is none of my business. It's my opinion of myself. And if I had to give us a purpose of life, it's to be a higher and better version of us, which means helping others. And so by that video, inspiring another person who's crossing the same crossroads, and they look at that video and feel, wow, you're so happy. I'm going to give myself a chance to do this. You're making other people who get what you're going through and went through a chance for them to realize they can be happier. The people who are going to comment don't relate. 
And so do you really need to hold on to their opinion when they don't relate to what you're going through? It's important for us to start recognizing it's about my opinion of myself that matters. And is there a greater good for that video to come out? Yeah, it's helping other people who are struggling with the same issue, who are struggling with mood and anxiety, self-doubt, not feeling great about themselves, to have a moment like you just did. Feeling great about yourselves and knowing there are options to help me empower myself in a situation I feel powerless in. So what is it? What is it exactly that people, why do people get, why are they so self-involved with other people's decisions to help themselves? Like, I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, even myself, I've dealt with it. You know, you lose some weight. Oh, you're too skinny. You gain some weight. Oh, you gain some weight. Look fat. You know, like there's these ups and downs. Um, you know, you decide, I've seen comments where someone decides to put on a hair system. Oh, you should just shave your head and be bald. Embrace the baldness. Why? <laughs> Why is everybody so self-involved in other people's decision? Like, why do, why do they always feel like, like their opinion matters, <laughs> I guess? It's role modeling, right? When it comes down to it, we're in a society where people become a product of what they were raised in. And so if I had a mother or father who's critical and judgmental, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to fight the influence of also becoming like them and doing the same thing. And many times we turn into our parents and we're like, oh my God, I don't believe I'm saying the same thing as my mom or my dad. I don't believe I'm talking about my daughter's weight when I hated when my mom did that. So we go through a lot of cycles in life and patterns. And a lot of what I do as a clinical psychologist is help people break patterns and recognize what is in your highest and best. In Buddhism, they say, if by speaking, you don't contribute to the silence, don't. Only thing that contributes to silence is something that's positive, helps you grow, helps you teach somebody how to be better, you know, and makes them happy. If it's not contributing in a positive way, we shouldn't be doing it. Gossip, criticism, you know, giving an opinion that wasn't asked for. But we're in a society that, you know, I would say being well adjusted to a sick society is unhealthy. And we're in a sick society where people just repeat patterns without questioning, is this in my highest and best? Is this... The best way to be is this kind is this compassionate do unto others as you want done to you if i don't want people criticizing me i shouldn't be criticizing them and you know one reason why i wrote my book a deeper wellness was to help people go deeper and say are the behaviors i do day to day just an automatic pilot from learned behavior or am i pausing and reflecting to be the best version of me and so why do we do it it's a part of society it's a part of repeating patterns how do we break it that comes from you wanting to be a better version of yourself. And like I said, it's not everybody doing it. There are a lot of people who are being a little bit more in a higher level of consciousness to be aware of their impact on others. You know, when you're in pain, you spill over onto others. So when you're in pain, being criticized yourself, you criticize others. But when you're in higher self-esteem and you work on yourself and you pause and reflect to see, you know, what makes me a better version of me, and you're in a place of high self-esteem speaking with praise, compliments, teaching people, helping them grow, there's a ripple effect. As you do it to others, they learn there's another way to be and they can do it to others too. We want a better world out there, start with you. Get your stuff together and realize that there is another way to be. And if you don't like parents criticizing and judging you, then stop the cycle somewhere so that you don't continue it. That's, yeah, very, very good advice. 
I, I had a, I had a gentleman um, that I was wearing a system until he was 92 years old. And unfortunately, he just passed away not too long ago. Um, he was actually a client personally of mine, loved him. He was a great guy. Um, but I was, I was kind of shocked because I, you know, you always hear guys go, oh, I'm just going to do this until I get old and then I'm just going to embrace being bald. Uh, and yet I saw a lot of older men who know you will not catch them without their hair and they don't care how old they are. Um, so I guess I, I just want to kind of touch on the fact that even no matter, regardless of your age, even when you're getting up there, we all really do value how we look and how, you know, there's nothing wrong with valuing, um, you know, our, our own appearance. Because I, I think so many people think that, you know, oh, no, once you get old, you shouldn't, you shouldn't care. Um, but I disagree with that. And I just wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, when it comes down to it, it's an individual journey. What makes you happy? When you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, what makes you feel proud of you? What makes you sparkle to be you? And who do you want to be is really your journey. And so, you know, yes, I hear every day, like I have sometimes have people coming in and saying, you know, I have this scar I want to cover up or I have, you know, I'm losing hair and I want to go get, you know, a procedure done or, you know, some plastic surgery. And, and they, they question like, am I just being superficial? Am I doing this? Am I doing it for the wrong reason? I said, well, there is no right reason. If it makes you that happy, if it really significantly will make you confident, feel good about yourself, looking in the mirror, go for it. To me, it's like, it's an individual journey. It's an individual choice. It's individual preference. If you really feel changing your hair color or dyeing your grades is going to make you feel better, do it. It's about you feeling good in yourself. It's not about people's opinion. And it's not about, you know, accepting where you're at, accept where you're at if you're comfortable with it. And if you want to shift something because it makes you feel better, there's no shame in that. It's an individual journey. If you're happy, you know, painting your nails, go for it. If you're happy changing something and it really would impact your day-to-day -day life where you feel more confident in your skin, you feel more, you know, attractive to yourself. It's an individual journey. People find you attractive with or without the changes. It's really about you because you have to face yourself every day. Like I said, other people's opinion of you, none of your business, your opinion of yourself is what matters. And in your opinion, if it makes that much of a difference that you feel better about yourself, bring it on. You're here to be a higher, better version for you. It's your individual journey amongst the collective. Go introduce who you want to be to others. Don't let them dictate who you need to be. Right? Unless there's a hurt and harm factor. So to be fair, yeah. some people get obsessed some people can get highly anxious. And once you start working on yourself, you want to keep doing everything. You want to change everything about you and you're always fixated on it. Well, then if it's impacting your mental health where you're so obsessed over it and preoccupied and now like I can't sleep and, you know, if, if, if the salon's not open, I, I'm like, I, you know, I'm not leaving the house. Like if you're doing things that come with a hurt and harm factor, now we've got to maybe look into treatment or talking to a doctor to see if my preference has turned into an obsession that is really causing me harm. But if it's not coming from that place and it's you just liking something about yourself, own you, be you, introduce the world to who you want to be. Very good. So if somebody is having obviously mental health issues either with their hair or with anything else, uh, how do they get a hold of you? And um, yeah. How do they get a hold of you? You can go to my website, drmonicagermani.com. And um, 
everything's there. My individual practice, I do corporate wellness. I also offer an online platform for people who can't afford therapy that they can go on there and learn little life lessons to work on mood and anxiety. Recently, the book came out, A Deeper Wellness, and that's also a workbook that brings out, you know, lessons that you can work on, how to manage stress, mood, anxiety. There's a little bit of psychoeducation and there's also like exercises that you can do to apply those lessons to your own life. The first step to treatment is awareness. When you know something's off, take charge of it, work on yourself. And when it comes to being a better version of you, it's an individual journey, but it's amongst resources and collective out there. So reach out, talk about things. I find a lot of people working on themselves become happier and have you know, less mood and anxiety symptoms impacting their day-to-day life. So it is important for us to work on ourselves for our own highest and best. Definitely. And um, again, where do they, where do they find your book? So my book's on Amazon. You can find it there easily. It's also on an audio book. It was released last week. And um, the book is uh, uh, on all channels of Amazon. You can also go on my website and it'll direct you straight to the channel to buy it. Again, drmonicavermani.com is the website. Thank you again very much, doctor. Your insight was very helpful to us. And I actually, I'm probably going to pick up that book myself. So anyway, this podcast has been brought to you by Super Hair Pieces. You can learn more about us online via TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, If you need more information on hair loss, different solutions, please visit our website at www.superhairpieces.com. I hope to see you all in the next episode, but until then, let's raise our glass and have a toast because hair's to you and hair's to me. Bye for now, guys. (laughs) 